Warning, this episode may depict violence or graphic content and may not be suitable for some listeners. The Everyday People Show is a podcast of the AMBC, African Masters Broadcasting Center. My name is Malebo Homolefe. I'm also popularly known as Max. I come from a small village called Manyana in the southern part of Botswana. I am a renowned gender-based violence and disability rights activist. I am also a former national basketball player. The meaning of my name, Malibucho, it means thanksgiving, giving thanks to something, to a newborn, to something that you want to embrace, something that is going to be loved. So I want to believe that my parents named me Malibucho as thanksgiving to God and appreciation for a daughter. I was called to the maximum because every time when I was in the courts, we'll score so many baskets against another team that they will always scream to the maximum because of the many shots that I'll put into the hoop and penetrate through the defense of our opponents. I was groomed by different kind of guys and I played street basketball, so I knew the nitty-gritties. I knew how to penetrate a very solid defense. And I was just that girl, you know, who had height advantage and really was very confident with playing basketball. And now it is widely known in my country that I'm called Max. I've always been an athlete. From a very young age, I played nightball when I was doing Senate 4 at primary level. And when I proceeded to senior school, at the age of 15, I realized that a lot of guys in my neighborhood were playing basketball. They invited me to the basketball practical games and I realized that I grew so good because I was always a good shooter from my netball days. I was really entertained by the idea of basketball because the sport was faster than netball. It, it really created so much joy for me. And just that drilling of it rushing through my veins when I would just pass the ball through the guy. So at some point, the boys started noticing how intensive I was, how good I was with basketball and they started to pick me in their friendly games as we would just have a friendly game during the evenings or over the weekend. 
I was in high school from 1995 doing my form 3 and this is when we put up some girls to start the high school team that would compete with other schools around my area in Khabarone where I schooled which did very very well and at the end of the year often got the most valuable player for my school right after high school which was in 1997 i then joined the women's basketball club called lynx through lynx i was invited to participate in the national basketball team trials this was the very first team that made a selection for Botswana senior women national team which was in 2000 and i played for Botswana Sina Women National Team from 2000 to 2005. Playing for Botswana Sina Women National Team was such a joy. I met girls who had also experience and brought technique. And during those times, if I remember well, it used to be so hard for us because Botswana then was a low income country that meant there wasn't so much support even from government in terms of sports development what we did as a team was to try and raise funds in every way possible we would sometimes sell hot dogs around the basketball courts just so we can gain some money that would help the team travel or eat during the long travels and so forth because we didn't have sponsors sometimes it is very difficult for others to really own sneakers expensive sneakers with with big brands we really had to do our bit and at some point we would even wash cars would have like a a car show thing as part of fundraising for our team we traveled and competed in countries such as south africa where we played for the cooks of women basketball team and we obtained a gold medal this was in 2002 and 2004. this was one of the most highlights of my basketball days because during this time we were competing to go to south africa with our male national basketball team because of the lack of funds it was decided that only one team will go and contend outside hence then because we were the heroes that we had scooped the gold medal from the local games that we have played with other nationalities through basketball i met my ex-boyfriend who then also was an avid basketball lover. It was love at first sight. I mean, he was tall, around two meters long. He had a very athletic body and I too was almost at the same height as him. And we were very, very great couple, I believe, because we really love sports. And he schooled around my neighborhood which meant it gave us ample time to meet and play basketball together and socialize together with other guys. We both played for different clubs, of course, but many times I was playing with the boys during trainings and stuff like that. He also would be around and 
we would compete against each other on different teams just during training. Everything was fine in the beginning. We loved each other daily and madly. But as he completed his varsity, he moved to an area far from where I stayed. So it became a long distance relationship. During this time, our communication started to suffer and there were issues of infidelity and misunderstanding and constant arguments. And one of the things that I remember happening to us breaking up was the fact that the relationship eventually started to grow abusive. He would slap me a little bit and I will often forgive it. And eventually all sorts of abuse became prevalent. Like the way he would talk to me and call me names. Like the way that he would instruct me to, to dress. And overly, he was a very jealous person, very obsessive and very paranoid. So he had a lot of insecurities that were fueled by jealousy. And every single time this will cause problems for us, we just had to come to a stop. We decided ourselves that the long distance relationship is not working. We're not able to communicate better because I want to believe that Communication was one of the most fundamental things in a relationship. And once that part is broken, once you are not able to come back together and speak like responsible adults, then the situation becomes irretrievable. I was now working for a telecommunications company because I had left school after graduating from my diploma. Hence then, after getting my job, I realized that it was a big opportunity for me. So I was going for a degree part-time. I wasn't able to balance my work, my school work, and also do basketball at the same time. So I just committed to playing only on the league because it didn't require much travel. And I had stopped playing for the national team. The relationship lasted for almost 10 years. We eventually decided that the relationship was not working anymore. And we stayed for a few months without communicating. But then eventually he started to send me light messages like, hi, how are you doing? I hope you're doing great that I would ignore. And I think this didn't really sit well with him. And he started to want to communicate again and he wanted to be forceful about it. So every time when he would reach out to me, I would just dismiss him and say, you know, I am busy with my life and I don't want to talk to you. And this, I think, really irritated him to a point where he really wanted to come back. And he would call, instant call, every single time, 100 times a day. And he would really come back forcefully and want us to engage again. And he would apologize 
and ask that we come back together and try and make the relationship work which i didn't believe in and and i had completely moved on with my life this was about around five six months after our breakup and he wanted to come back he would just appear out of nowhere every time when i'll be at my home at or at my work i'll be called and told that there was someone looking for me and i'll be shocked to find him there because i had not invited him this was one scary thing because i was really afraid of him he had a very short fuse he was angered quickly and i knew that talking to him myself would not work that i always needed to call someone to our aid just so that he would not beat me up or attack me or do something to me i had really asked him kindly that can we just stop reaching out to me that it is over that i want to move on with my life and be happy It was on a Sunday. He had tried to reach out to me. It was around 8 p.m. and I was getting myself ready for work the next day. And I remember he called me about 67 times and he would ask me where I was. So I told him I'm at home doing chores. And he said, okay, fine. Um, I hope that you'll be able to meet me soon. And I just said, okay. I was woken up by a loud bang on the window. That is when I screamed at the top of my voice thinking that I was being attacked by thieves. Then I heard a familiar voice calling outside saying, baby open up, it's me, I just want to talk. And his voice was filled with desperation. And then I asked him, why are you breaking my window? And then he said, I just want to talk. I said, I can't talk to you now because I was really shaking. I was afraid. Seeing him there, I had not thought that I would see him because he was living 421 kilometers from where I was. He just pleaded with me from outside the window. And then he kept saying, please, I just want to talk. Please open up the door. And I just said to him, I'm afraid I can't open up for you. Let me at least call your brother so he can come and help us talk together so he agreed i picked up my cell phone and dialed the brother's number just as it started ringing from the other side he actually lifted the gun in a display like motion and he said open up or i'm going to shoot you i had never seen a real gun before and the sight of it was shuddering. I was shaking vigorously and I just fell to the ground and I, I, I couldn't hear some of the words that he was uttering to me. He was saying, open up, I have a gun, it's loaded, there's 15 bullets, what, what, what. 
I could only pick words that were detrimental to my safety. I was in a lot of confusion, just sitting there, and he shot at the door, enormously a couple of times, until the door broke open and he was able to forcefully gain entry. That is, when it happened, he pulled me from the ground where I was and he instructed me to get dressed. I was just confused. There were a lot of noise confusing me from the echoes of the gun shots and also people screaming from outside. I believe these were my neighbors trying to call for help maybe trying to scare him but he was determined to take me to god knows where i just quickly put on my sweater and he let me outside the yard just as we are approaching the gate he kicked open the gate and i saw the police and the soldiers waiting outside the entrance Everything was happening so fast and I was losing track of really what was as I was trying to defend myself by putting my hands over my head. He quickly led me into the yard and closed the gate as he wasn't expecting to find them. And I want to believe that my neighbors may have called the police who were not very far from where I stayed. He then was confused as to what to do next as he wasn't expecting to see police there. He put the gun on the side of my head and he pulled the trigger. I heard a low clicking sound and I was so confused. I didn't know when, whether he had shot me or not. What I know is that the gun jammed he released me from his grip and tried to augment the gun to appropriation. That is when I tried to flee. I had not fled any further when I heard a hot substance pierce through my back. Then I fell to the ground face down and he came over me and shot a couple of times until he was certain that the deed was done. I heard a loud bang and he fell right next to me. He had committed suicide. I was bleeding profusely and I was battling to breathe until the authorities came and they said it's a man and a woman. The man is not breathing but the woman is alive. They loaded me into their vehicle and took me to the hospital. This was one of the longest journeys that I ever had to travel.
I woke up the next day in hospital. I was in and out of consciousness. And I could see the face of my mother. Pain on my family's faces. I was shot from the back and as a result I sustained major injuries on my neck, on my left hand and chest and I incurred massive injuries on the spinal cord and I had fractured ribs, internal bleeding. The doctors had told my parents that I may not leave, that I may contract infections, develop pneumonia and eventually die. I was in hospital for almost eight months. And after this injury, this is just one of the saddest things that you are in a journey to accept yourself. But again, you are faced with so much. I blamed myself for his life for my life, for my injuries, and I felt hopeless and empty and deluded. I had regrets. How could somebody who apparently loved me try to take my life? How could I have failed to see the red flags? Because of course, they have been there. How could I take it and take it and forgive it? And how could I adjust to a life in a wheelchair? And I suffered public humiliation as the society often associate intimate partner violence, which here in Botswana we term as passion killing. Usually the victim is the one who's blamed, criticized, and suffers the plant. They would say things like, maybe she ate his money, maybe she used him, but I was working. I had a full life ahead of myself. I was just in a state of, I, I, I just, I just didn't know what to do with myself. Surviving eight bullets on its own is such a trauma path. I was in serious pain. My mind was all over. I was confused. But deep inside, I wanted to leave. I was the only child and I had to fight for bare survival. I had to fight. And my family was there for me. Through thick and thin, my mother was there and the rest of my community. Then I started feeling alive in what? That a lot of people believed in me. I was being encouraged despite all these doubts that I have, despite all this humiliation that I suffered. And I wanted to be an example. I wanted to give other girls a chance to change their circumstances and be saved from potential harm. Because every day when I was lying in my sickbed, I would listen, listen to the radio or TV and I would hear despicable violence that was done to other girls. And that is what went down on me that I had to do something about it. I worked with counselors. I did a lot of counseling myself so that I could heal 
and accept because acceptance is a very powerful tool it leads you to a journey of self recovery where you're able to affirm that it is okay it has happened i need to move on with my life i take pride in knowing that i didn't lose my strength and i continue to use my story to inspire other women and to learn from me it is because of this work that i have been awarded and recognized both in botswana and internationally i was awarded in 2017 the international woman of courage by the first lady of united states of america mrs melania trump together with other women across the world who did exceptionally well to advance issues of humanitarian work and um I've also been awarded locally as the activist of the year and I think that I've worked significantly to contribute immensely in the fight against gender-based violence in my country. I am the founder of the Malebogomex wheelchair basketball tournament. This is a tournament that marries two agendas, one of activism and of sport. We started a basketball team in Khaburoni with other passionate athletes in wheelchairs and it has done significantly well and last year it won the Sport Chairman Special Award at the Botswana National Sports Council Awards which are annual. This is just an opportunity to give persons with disability a platform to play sport as well as share messages around gender-based violence. <laughs> I have found love again. I never thought that I would say these words because when you are in a situation you are most challenged and the only things that comes to your mind are negative. So I met this gentleman 7 years ago now and he's just the love of my life. he is really understanding and we work together now on the foundation and to build other people and he's really committed to us and hopefully maybe god willing we'll go further and grow old together <laughs> My name is Malebo Homolefe. I am a gender-based violence and disability rights activist based in Botswana. This is my everyday story. <laughs>